invite your attention to Mark chapter 2. As we think about what's necessary to reach Clarksville, as I come before you this morning and today, I've been in ministry for a long time. As I step into this pulpit for the first Sunday of this new year, I'm praying for the fire of God to fall on our church. I was literally on my knees this morning asking, Lord, please let the fire from you fall on us as a church. And that you would do some things in our midst and even in and through us that only you would get the glory and the praise for that. In my devotion time just here recently, there was a verse out of Isaiah 48, verse 11, that the Lord used to convict me about. And this verse just says, from God, he says, my glory I will not give to another. And so whatever God does in our lives and even us as a church, we may get encouragement for that. We may, again, be, be lifted up because of that. But the glory goes to him. He gets the credit. All the praise goes to the Lord Jesus. And so I pray this year that we're going to see God do some things, much like what we read in Mark chapter 2. We never saw anything like this. Only God will get the glory for that. Well, as I stand before you today, I feel like the preacher that came to the pulpit one Sunday and said, I've got so much material, I don't know where to begin. And there was a church member in the back who stood and said, why don't you start somewhere near the end? And so... So I've got a lot of material to cover today, but church life sure has changed over the years. I remember the day in church life when we used to beg lost people to come to Jesus. And we've come to a place in church life now where we beg church people to come to church. Something needs to change. And as we think about how do we reach Clarksville, how do we reach our city, this region, this area, Uh, I want to encourage you to take God's word and follow along as we do that from Mark chapter 2. Let me ask you this. Is Clarksville a better place because of First Baptist Church? And then let me ask you this. If our church closed its doors, no longer existed, would anyone notice or care in our city? I believe they would because God is using us as a church to make a difference. Well, as I think about, again, who we are as a church and what God is doing, uh, I know today that he's calling us to reach people in our city, reach people in our area, and he's calling us and leading us to be able to do that. And I believe again today on this first Sunday of the new year that this message has the potential to change our lives and our church and even our city. And you say, well, how can you be so confident about those things? Again, I'm confident because of the power and the authority of God's word. Now, the Bible is very clear in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Scripture says, all Scripture is God-breathed. We didn't make this up. The Southern Baptist Convention didn't make this up. This is from God himself. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, the Word of God is living and active. This book is not dead. This book is alive. This book is changing the lives of people. God said in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11, he said, my word will go forth. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it out. God's word is going to be effective in our day and our generation. And so as we think about how do we reach people in Clarksville, here's what I know. If we're going to do that, then we must be willing to sow seeds. And there are many churches praying for a great harvest, but the problem is they're not sowing any seeds. And if you and I are going to see a harvest, we must plant, sow seeds in order to do so. I grew up in rural Kentucky. Many in my family were farmers. I know what it's like to work in the hay and tobacco fields. Those hard work. If you're going to farm, it is hard, hard work to do that. And as I be transparent with you today, if we're going to reach Clarksville, 
and we're going to sow seeds, it is hard work to do that. But if we're, we're not ever going to see a harvest if we're not sowing seeds. And so what does it take? What is it necessary to reach our city? One, we just got to be willing to sow seeds, have conversations, engage people about who Christ is and the ministry of his church. And so I want to invite your attention to your outline. We'll give you these five truths from Mark chapter 2 as we think about what's necessary to reach Clarksville. But I want us to walk through, number one, develop convictions. If you and I are going to reach our city, we must develop convictions. One of the greatest football coaches to ever live was Paul Bear Bryant. Paul Bear Bryant on his deathbed said to his nurse these words, I come to the end of my life with a regret. She said, what is that regret? He said, I regret that I did not advance the gospel more with the platform I had in life. That's a football coach. I just want to encourage you as you look at your life this year, don't come to the end of your life with regrets, but don't come to the end of your life with a regret to say, I should have advanced the gospel more with the platform I had in life. Make much of Jesus in your life, in your family, everything that you do. Now, as I think about developed convictions, many people would say, what kind of convictions do you have? Look at number one, the, the question, what would I list? And when, so here's what I would say. When you ask me sometimes, people say, what are some of your convictions in life you would not compromise, you want to be faithful to? I'd give you a number of those things. For example, one, when it comes to convictions, the Bible is an, is an errant, infallible, and it's authoritative. This is the word of God. When I think about the life of the Lord Jesus, he was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died a horrific death on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised on the third day. Jesus Christ is alive. He ascended back to the Father. One day he's coming again, and Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. When I think about convictions, according to Matthew 28, the great commission of the Lord Jesus to us as his followers and church, the great commission is not optional for you and me. It is a command from him. When I think about Jesus, I understand again, he loves lost, messed up people. When I think about the Lord Jesus, he's the one who grows his church and he's the one who changes the lives of people. And as I think about convictions, what would I list? Well, those are some of my convictions. When you look at Mark chapter 2, he is back in Capernaum. He returned to Capernaum after some days. It was reported that he was at home. He was in the house, and the house was crowded. It was packed. There was no more room for anyone else in the house. Look at the second question. How did Jesus serve? As I look at this text, and again, he returned to Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee, a beautiful city, beautiful area, village. Some days reported he was at home. Many were gathered together. There was no more room whatsoever, even at the door. And what was Jesus doing to them? Here's convictions. He was not entertaining them. He was not simply feeding them uh, milk and cookies. He was not doing any of those things. What was he doing? He was preaching the word to them. I mean, the house was filled with people. He knew that they had needs there, physical and spiritual. And what was Jesus doing? The Son of God and Savior of the world, he was preaching the word to them. You and I need to know that when we preach, teach the word of God, it changes the lives of people. When the early believers were persecuted, they were scattered. When they were scattered, what did they do? They preached and taught the word of God. And lives were changed as they did that. And so if we're going to reach our city, we need to have convictions. And one of those is we're going to preach and teach God's word without apology. I remember my first mission trip was to Santiago, Chile, South America. 
I get there and uh, I figure out who's going to be my interpreter. So him and his wife, incredible couple. We go out to the church I'm going to be ministering at on a Sunday afternoon. We get to the facility. There's no one there. Someone finally says the leaders and many church members are down the street. And so we go down the street. Sure as anything, we see many of them there. There's a, a, a Chevrolet flatbed pickup truck there. There's band instruments on the bed of that truck. And so they're going around. Finally, they find a place to plug in that many of the church leaders get up on the bed of that truck. They start playing music. And literally hundreds of people come out from these living units to gather around this truck to hear this music. And so I'm standing there again, translator and his wife. I'm standing there, hundreds of people gathered around this pickup truck. And so they're singing, worshiping the Lord. And then all of a sudden they stop. And the leader said something to the translator. And the translator turned to me and said something and said, are you ready? And I said, ready for what? And he said, ready to preach the gospel to these people. I mean, they've got them here. Now they're ready for you to preach the gospel. Get up on the bed of that truck and share Jesus with them. Well, I jumped up on the bed of that truck much younger then, probably couldn't do that now, and I preached the Word of God to those people who were there. Many, many people came to Christ that afternoon. Here's why. The Word of God was preached, and Jesus was exalted. Lives are changed. And if we're going to reach our city, we must develop convictions. And if we're going to reach our city, they need to see us worshiping God, loving people, sharing Jesus, and making disciples. Our city needs the Word of God. If we're going to reach our city, number one, develop convictions. Number two, focus outward. I remember one day I was in Lexington, Kentucky. I was meeting with a pastor. He had planted a church, and inside the church he was operating a boxing ring. And it was legitimate. I mean, it was the real deal. He was using this boxing ring to attract young people so that he was able to reach them with the gospel. Fascinating thing. Here's the pulpit, but right behind you was a boxing ring. Never seen anything like it in my life. And so as I'm meeting with this pastor that day, having a great time, in walked this young man. And this young man walks in, and he was seven feet one. And so he walked in, and I said to him, my first comment after the pastor introduced me to him, I said, you must play basketball. He said, actually, I do play basketball. And truth of the matter is, several major universities were trying to recruit him to come to their university to play basketball. And so I asked, why are you here at the boxing gym? He said, well, I'm trying to improve my hand-eye coordination. Boxing will help me do that, be much more effective on the basketball court. And then we continued to talk, and I said, but, hey, by the way, a little inside scoop here, if you can give it to me. Where are you planning to go to college at? All these universities are recruiting you, and he gave me the name of one. Interesting. He said, I think I'm going to go to Tennessee and play. And I said, look around. There's not any orange in this place at all. And I said, in fact, if you'll look out the door, we can see Rupp Arena pretty much right from here. And so this is Big Blue Nation. Why would you go anywhere else? And so I had a good conversation with him. I said, are you sure where are you going to play basketball at? So I was interested to find out where is this young guy going to play basketball at? Look at these statements here. Number one, personal conviction. As I was talking to the pastor and then met this young man, seven feet one, where are you going to play basketball at? Give me the inside scoop on that. The Holy Spirit convicted me. And here's what the Holy Spirit convicted me about. Are you more interested in family, neighbors, people in the city, where they're going to spend eternity at? Or are you more interested where a young man's going to play basketball or where someone's going to coach a team somewhere? Or what, what are you more interested in? 
The Holy Spirit convicted me. Sure, I can talk to him about basketball, but did I have a conversation with him about the Lord Jesus and what it means to know him? In Mark chapter 2, Jesus in the house. House is packed. There's no more room even at the door. And there are four men. They come across the path of another man. He's a paralytic. He can't get to Jesus himself. He needs, he needs help. And so what do these four men do? They get this mat together. They each grab a corner, and they're going to get this man to Jesus because they know Jesus is the only one who can change this man's life. They can't do it. The crowd can't do it. Only the Son of God can do that. And so they are convicted to say, we've got to get this man to Jesus if he's going to be made well. They were convicted about doing that. I want to ask you three questions here for a moment. Do you remember what it's like to be lost? You were outside of relationship to Christ. You did not know him. Do you remember what it was like to be lost in your life? Second question, what happens to people who die without Christ? Heaven is a real place, but hell is a real place as well. What happens to people who die outside of a personal relationship with Christ? And then do you still remember how amazing the grace of God is? Here's what I pray for us when it comes to convictions, even the urgency of what we're going to talk about. I pray that we will never get over what it's like to be lost and what it's like to be saved. I pray we'll understand those who know Christ spend eternity in heaven. Those who reject him spend eternity in hell. And that also we will never get over how amazing the grace of God is. He saved us. He equips us. He sustains us. His grace has been amazing, is amazing, will always be amazing. I pray we'll never get over that, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in that area. Look at number two, gospel urgency. These guys were urgent. They knew that this man was a paralytic. He could not walk. They put him on this mat. They were carrying a corner. They were going to get this guy to Jesus. There was urgency in what they're doing. You and I need to understand on this first Sunday of 2022, the gospel is urgent. There are people who come to FLP here. There are people who come to MOPS. There are people who come to lunches. There are people who come to VBS. There are people who come to so many other events in our church facility. And please understand this. Many of those people who walk through the doors on this campus, they are desperate for Jesus. As I think about my family, think about neighbors, think about people in this city, there are many people today in this city and we know personally desperate for the Lord Jesus in life. There are people that we're going to eat in restaurants. We're going to enjoy meals, and people are going to serve us and help us get what we need. Many of those people we're going to look at face-to-face -face and have a conversation with, they are desperate for Jesus in life. I just encourage us, focus outward. Because if we're going to reach our city, we're going to make a difference in our city. We've got to, one, yes, we've got to have convictions but also we got to focus outward. It's got to be more than just what happens in this room. How does the church leave this building and make a difference in our city, in our county, in our area and region? And that comes with convictions but urgency. People need Jesus. This paralytic needed Jesus. And these men are going to get him. Number three, serve together. If you and I are going to reach our city, we must be willing to serve together. Now, in 2012, uh, the University of Kentucky had a great basketball team. Not the greatest players they had ever had, 
But, but they came together as a team, and they played together as a team. And Coach Calipari said they didn't come to the court with egos or agendas. They came together to play as a team. And you may remember they won the national championship in 2012. Now, aren't you glad you came today? And so you got that insight. Well, the, well, the season was over. 2013 came around. Again, different players, great players, some of the best in the nation. But in 2013, the University of Kentucky Wildcats didn't even make the NCAA tournament that year. So how do you go from playing in the national championship and winning the national championship to not even making the tournament the next year? Coach Calipari said this, had a great team, had great players. The problem was this year they played as individuals, not as a team. Egos and agendas drove them and what they were playing for, not as a team for the national championship. If you and I are going to reach our city for Jesus, I promise you this, it requires us to serve together. The needs are too great. The needs are too many for us to do it alone. That's why we've got to be willing to serve together. You need to take a corner of the mat. I need to take a corner of the mat. Some other people need to get, grab a hold of the mat. And let's get people who need Jesus to him. And we've got to be willing to do that together. Serve together. Let me give you these three insights. Number one, healthy involvement. When you look at this text and you find these guys, these four guys, they were involved together. They were serving together. It's not one was doing something and the other three something else. They were together. Each had a corner. Each were carrying the mat, had the paralytic on it. They were going to do everything they could to get him to Jesus. They were serving together. Healthy involvement. Let me ask you, why did Jesus save you? And why did he leave you here on this earth? Why did he do that? It would have been much simpler if he saved us and took us immediately to heaven. Wouldn't that have been great? But, but he saved you and me by his grace. He left us here. He's gifted us. Why did he do that? Because he wants you to be involved in the work of ministry. And so somewhere in the fellowship of the church, you and I know Christ. We're part of the church family. He wants us to come together with other believers, like-minded with conviction, to understand the urgency, and that we would serve the Lord Jesus together. You need to grab a corner. I need to grab a corner. Let's get people who are desperate for Jesus. Let's get them to him. It's healthy involvement. Number two, unified direction. It's interesting in Mark chapter 2, these guys, they knew the house was crowded. They knew the door. You couldn't even get anybody else in there. But they were unified direction. They were going in the same direction. One guy wasn't trying to go to the right, another guy to the left. They were going in the same direction. If you and I are going to reach our city, we must be going in the same direction. It's not about our egos. It's not about our agendas. It's not about our preferences. What is it going to take to get people who need Jesus to him? And we're going in the same direction. In my years in pastoral ministry, I've seen many believers, but many churches, not reach their potential. Why? They did not have unified direction. The pastor was going this way. Staff members were going this way. Deacons were going this way. And at the end of the day, they didn't really even know where they were going. But if we're going to reach our city, there must be unified direction. As a pastor, staff, deacons, other leaders, let's go in the same direction. Let's make sure we're going to get people who are desperate for Jesus to him. Unified direction. Number three, worthy goal. Their goal was so worthy. What was their goal? Their goal wasn't to entertain this guy. Their goal wasn't just to try to do what they could. Their goal was to get him to Jesus. 
And that should be our goal as we look at our city, as we think about thousands of people in our city who are outside of a relationship to Christ, outside of a fellowship of a church. Our goal, again, is not to entertain them, make them feel good. Our goal is to give them to Jesus. Why? Because he's the one who will change their lives, he'll change their marriages, he'll change their families, He'll change churches. He'll change this city. It is Jesus who will do that. That is a worthy goal. How do we reach our city? Well, we do it when we serve together. Kids, students, adults, serving the Lord Jesus Christ together. That's how we reach our city. Number four, overcome obstacles. Uh, Many years ago, Hurricane Katrina came through the Gulf Coast. And it did such destruction along the Gulf Coast. And Angie and I, uh, I'd contacted a pastor who lived in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And, and so as I contacted him and found out some information about their church, their building had been destroyed. Their people had been displaced. They were scattered all over the Gulf Coast area. He didn't even know what the future of their church was going to look like. And so we talked about their needs and how we could minister to them from our church. And so we decided we were going to drive down to Pascagoula, Mississippi, and meet with him and his wife, his family. So we drive down from Kentucky to Pascagoula, Mississippi. We meet him, had a great time with him and his wife, saw the damage, how they were trying to repair and move forward. It it was just a sweet time of fellowship. And so we sent some mission teams down. We sent some relief work to them, tried to help them out. And I I realized after talking to him for some time, he was exhausted. He was tired. His tank was empty. He was depleted. And I said to him and his wife and to his kids, why don't you guys come to Kentucky for a weekend? We'll take care of all of your expenses. We'll put you up in a hotel, even got a pool where you can have fun. But we'll pay you a nice honorarium. We just want you to get away. You'll be able to preach to our congregation on Sunday morning because we want to love you guys and help replenish you. We agreed on a weekend, a date that he was going to come. And so the weekend was here. It was a Friday morning. And so I get up that morning, and I've got a wedding that weekend, so a rehearsal on Friday night, a wedding on Saturday. I'd been praying throughout the week because I was praying for him as he was going to preach to us, but, but I had not been preparing a sermon for that week because he was going to fill the pulpit that day. Well, I call him on Friday morning and say, hey, Pastor, just wanted to check with you. How's your travels going? And I was not prepared for what he was getting ready to say next. He said, well, we decided not to come. Well, my heart almost stopped. I said, now, what did you just say? He said, we decided not to come. It's just not going to work out this weekend. I talked to him about why, but at the end, here's what I'm thinking. Guess what's coming? It's Friday morning. Sunday is coming. And I'd been praying during the week, but not really preparing a sermon for Sunday morning. Had a wedding, rehearsal that night, wedding the next day. And as I came before the Lord, it was a major obstacle in my life And I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach Luke chapter 18, the story of the tax collector and the publican. And so I'm preaching Luke 18 on Sunday morning. And only God could do this. A major obstacle on Friday. What's going to happen on Saturday? Then we come to Sunday morning. That Sunday morning when I gave the invitation, we had 25 people make decisions for Christ that particular Sunday morning. Only God could have done that. And we had to come back. Never saw anything like this. What was an obstacle on Friday became a major celebration on Sunday. God moved. Look at these things. Number one, incredible determination. If we're going to reach our city, I promise you we're going to face obstacles. 
here's the determination that's going to require these guys. They're carrying this guy, this paralytic on this mat. Got a guy on each corner carrying this guy, getting him to Jesus. They come to the house. They know where Jesus is at. And they get to the house and they realize we can't get in the house because it's full. We get to the door. We can't even get through the door because there's so many people in the house. The crowd is large. I appreciate these four guys, their determination. They could have put the man down and said, hey, man, we did the best we could. I mean, we, we tried to get you to Jesus. The house is crowded. He's inside. We just can't do it. We did the best we could. We're going to leave you here. We got to go on our way. We've got other obligations. They could have done that, left the guy there, and went on in a different direction. But I love the story of their determination because they didn't do that. And on the houses back in those days, when you look in Israel and those parts of the world, they would have had stairs on the outside. And so they were very creative. They were very determined because they said, we can't get him in the front door, but we can go up on the roof. And so these guys were so determined to get this guy to Jesus. They go up on the roof. They start tearing the roof apart. They find an opening and they lower the guy down on this mat right in front of Jesus. If you and I are going to reach our city, we must be determined. Oh, we're going to face obstacles. There are going to be things. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. But we can't just throw up the towel and say, we're going to quit. We're not going to do that anymore. We can't get that person to Jesus. We've got to be determined, incredible determination, if we're going to reach our city. And then number two, faithful overcomers. These guys were overcomers. I mean, here they were. The house was crowded. You couldn't even get in the front door. They climbed the steps, which would not have been easy trying to carry this guy. They finally come to a place. They open up the roof. They lower him down. They were overcomers. They were willing to do whatever was necessary to get this guy to Jesus. You and I, if we're going to reach our city, we must be overcomers. And it's even overcomers for who we are as a church family. Here's what, here's what happens. We talk about reaching our city. We say, well, we can't really do that because our church calendar is so filled with activities. Do you realize we can, so be, we can be so busy as a church that we never have time to reach people in our city? And we come to a place and we say, well, we've never done it that way before. You're going to have to overcome that thinking. Because, again, the message never changes. It is Jesus Christ, him crucified, raised from the dead. But the methods will change. Just because we've never done it that way before doesn't mean we shouldn't do it now. And then you're going to have to hear people say, well, people aren't interested in spiritual things. You're going to have to overcome that. Because I would say right the opposite. I think people are interested in spiritual things. I was on the golf course just the other day, and, and it happened soon. I was still on the putting green, and here I am talking to this guy with me about the Lord Jesus Christ, and I said to another guy with me, that happened much quicker than I thought it was going to. I knew I was going to get to the conversation, but it happened even before we started. People are interested in spiritual things. We're going to come and say, we don't have enough resources to do that. You'll hear that again and again. That is straight from John chapter 6. This multitude of people who had needs, but they said, we can't feed all those people. We don't have enough resources to do that. And then we're going to have to overcome when people say, but God could never use me that way. I just challenge you as kids, students, and adults, never limit the power of God in your life. Let God work. Let the fire of God fall. Let God use you. Don't limit what God wants to do in and through your life. These guys were overcomers. 
They had incredible determination. They were not going to let the crowd keep them from getting this guy to Jesus. They were overcomers, meaning they even climbed the stairs, tore off the roof, and got this guy to Jesus. We have to be that intentional if we're going to reach our city. And then number five, glorify God. As you think about this, you imagine what was happening inside the house. Jesus is there preaching the word to them. The house is crowded. There's not even any room for someone else to enter the door. And then all of a sudden they hear a commotion. Somebody's tearing the roof off. And then all of a sudden the sky opens up and they see this guy on this mat being let down by these four guys right in front of Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus changes his life. Right before their eyes, this guy's life has changed. I was preaching one Sunday morning. This has really not happened much in my ministry at all. I was preaching one Sunday morning and just praying for God to move. Standing down front, gave an invitation. I looked up to my right, and there was a student, young girl coming forward, tears streaming down her face. And she comes forward, and like what I do most of the time, when somebody comes forward in the invitation, I just say, tell me why you came forward today. And again, this is a young student, tears flowing down her face. And here's what she said that Sunday morning. She said, I need to confess a sin before this church. And I thought, this is going to be interesting now. And so I said, well, what, what, what sin are you talking about? What do you need to confess? And she shared with me what she needed to confess to the church. And so I turned to the congregation. She's standing to my left with me. And I called her by her name. And I said, she's got something she needs to confess to you as a church. And then she wants you to pray for her that she will be strong in her walk with Christ. And that young girl had the people's attentions. And she started confessing her sin before the Lord, but also to the church, and just said, would you pray for me that I'll be faithful to Christ? It was a holy ground moment for us. In that service, God was glorified when that young girl did what she did. Because when you and I obey what God wants us to do, he is glorified in that. If we're going to reach our city, we have to glorify God. Look at these two says one biblical amazement. Look at this story. Jesus, he said something to the guy, and then, and then he says to him, says, your sins are forgiven, or rise, take up your bed, and walk. And he said to him, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And here the guy, he rose, he immediately picked up his bed, and he went out before them all. You imagine that. You're in there listening to Jesus teach the word, preach the word. All of a sudden, parts of the roof are coming off. Then the sky opens up, and then all of a sudden they lower this guy on a mat in front of Jesus. And Jesus speaks to him and says, I want you to rise. Your sins are forgiven, but I want you to rise. I want you to take your mat. I want you to go home. He stands up and starts walking out. And what does it say? It says what they were all amazed about that. When's the last time you and I as a church have been amazed as we stood in the presence of Jesus? I mean, amazed because of that. And here's what the people said. We never saw anything like this. When's the last time as a church we came before the Lord and we just said, Lord, we never saw anything like this. You moved in such a way we never saw anything like this. Biblical amazement. Then next, true worship. It says what they glorified God. 
That's worship. He was glorified. As you and I gather as a church, do we gather with the expectation that lives are going to be changed? Do we gather with that anticipation? If we're going to reach our city, we must reach our city with a mindset, the glory goes to God. We're going to be amazed. We're going to worship him because we're standing in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. On this first Sunday of this new year, I want to ask you today, if you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, surrender your life to him. He's the only one who will save you. You need to follow him in biblical baptism this year. Why not take a step, walk down one of these aisles, let us know that so we can select the date, have a conversation with you, see you follow Jesus in baptism. You need to join the fellowship of this church. What a better Sunday than to do that than today. We're going to sing in just a moment. You come forward. Just walk down one of the aisles. Our pastoral staff will be here. We'd love to celebrate with you and help you join the fellowship of this great church because this church is making a difference in our city. There's something else that God's doing in your life, and you've got people in your life that you want to reach. Ask God to just give you the open door that you can do that. And then you're watching online as well. Wherever you may be watching from, you can comment to us. You can email us. We would love to help you in your walk with Christ as well. Whether it's connecting with us or helping you connect with another church, we want to help you be faithful to Christ and everything that you're doing as well. And here's one last challenge. Everyone in this room and those who are watching, 2022, there are so many people in our city who need Jesus. There are so many people in our city who need the fellowship of a church. And here's what I want to ask you today. Three people, not 30 people, but three people. Can you write down the names of three people who need the fellowship of God's people and need the Lord's church? Three people. They used to be in this church, but you no longer see them. Maybe it's because of COVID or something else. Who do you need to reach out to and say, I've been missing you at church in my connect group. want to see you come back. Or other people that you're going to meet in our city who are not connected to a church that you can reach out to. You're grabbing a corner. I'm grabbing a corner. We're helping get people to Jesus. Three people. Can you pray over the next number of weeks and just say, God, use me to reach people in our city three people who need you and who need your church and see God move. And we'll say we never saw anything like this for the glory of God. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, I thank you for those four men. I thank you those four men were so determined and they were overcomers that they got this guy to Jesus who needed him. And I'm grateful this guy left physically changed and he left spiritually changed. Jesus changed his life. And Father, today I pray for those in the room and watching, people who need to give their lives to Jesus, who need to follow you in baptism, who need to join the fellowship of your church, who need to make another spiritual decision today. And Father, for those of us who are believers, again, kids and students and adults, who do we know that used to be in the fellowship of your church but no longer come now? Who are we going to meet in our city who need the fellowship of a church and need a relationship with you that we can help bring them to Jesus? And Father, I pray you'll use us this year to see many, many people come to Christ 
and make a life-changing connection to your church. And as we stand in the presence of Jesus, we will say we never saw anything like this because God was on the move and the glory goes to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray for freedom in this place, freedom for those who are watching to respond as we anticipate and expect lives to be changed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand together. Jesus, in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene, you come forward. I'm here. Our pastoral staff's here. Our prayer team is here. You come this morning as we sing. Make a decision on this first Sunday of 2022. Let's sing together. <laughs>